Welcome to episode 10 of the Swift Teacher Podcast. One lesson at a time towards... Swift World Domination. Joining us in this episode is Chris Barnaby. Chris is a librarian and technology integration specialist for a STEM high school in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, just right down the street from me. He supervises the school's one-to-one iPad program, library and makerspace, and professional development initiatives. In addition, he teaches classes in Swift programming, iOS app development, and video production. Coding has been a recent interest of his, and along with the team of students, published an app to the iOS App Store for his school in June 2016. Chris also attended WWDC in 2016 on an educator scholarship and presented a TEDx talk in advocating for coding in K-12 schools. He started his teaching career as an elementary library in 2007. Since then, he's been in, in instructional technology, that has, and it has been a passion of his, and has championed it as a vehicle for student engagement, achievement, and positive school reform. Hi, Chris. How are you this evening? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm glad you could join us. So, I mentioned that you taught, uh, you teach in a STEM school in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but why don't you be a little more specific and talk about where you teach and what you teach? Okay, so uh, the school I'm at is called the Career Magnet School. Uh, So we're one of three high school options for uh, students in my school district, which is the Chambersburg Area School District. Uh, We started the school in 2012 um, as a STEM option for students. Uh, Basically, we have two treks of students, so half our students are uh, in our county's vocational program. And the, the other half, um, they're just interested in STEM, possibly pursuing a, a career in it or a, a major in college. My role, you know, as, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm actually a, a librarian by education. Um, so I manage our, our library. Uh, recently, we kind of made the move to convert the library uh, into a makerspace as well. And I also do instructional technology for the school, managing the, uh, the one-to-one iPad deployment, um, as well as some professional development. Man, I thought I was busy doing the iPad, managing our iPad one-to-one deployment, and then teaching Swift. But you have that extra layer of being a librarian. Boy, your days must be awfully busy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's jam-packed. Every day's busy. Uh, the good thing is that it's a, you know, just because we're one of three high schools, so it's, it's kind of smaller, so I do have a little bit of flexibility. But busy nonetheless. Oh, okay. How did you start or what was your journey to teaching coding and computer science since you really uh, came up as a librarian? Yeah, so this is actually, um, uh, I'll try not to be too long-winded about it, but uh, this, this is actually, it was the, uh, the topic of my uh, TEDx talk that I did in uh, Lancaster last fall. But yeah, as, as you pointed out, uh, my education is not in computer science. Not even in mathematics, which you know a lot of uh, CS teachers come from too. You know, as I said before, we we opened our school. We opened in uh, 2012 as a STEM-focused high school. Uh, and we really had uh, two actually engineering teachers that do uh, colleagues of mine that really do some wonderful things and offer really a myriad of of classes: uh, engineering, hydrology, electronics, robotics. We actually have a, a STEM exploratory class that all freshmen take, and they kind of get an overview of everything they learned. Um, you know, MIG TIG and stick welding. They they learn electronics and basic robotics. So every freshman gets in, then they can kind of advance it as they they work through our school. 
One thing that was really missing from our school was the that app development piece and was that coding piece. Now, there's a colleague of mine that uh, before I got into it, just started a Java class. But as I, you know, as you noted earlier, we are a one-to-one iPad school. So, you know, here we were kind of encouraging our, our students to ask tough questions, to, to dig deep, you know, kind of look under the hood, get hands-on. Uh, we weren't doing that with the technology that we were using every single day. And what really uh, pushed me into it was I had uh, two students who are actually, uh, we actually have a mentor program, so they were actually mentees of mine um, that came in and said that they wanted to uh, start uh, learning. Uh, this was when um, Swift, you know, they just released Swift, uh, Swift One. Um, Apple really started to open things up uh, with their app development program. Um, and so they wanted to learn it. And they wanted to do this on their own, and, and we were talking about it. You know, I kind of arranged, you know, rather than just doing all this time and, you know, putting forth all this time and not getting any credit for it, let's arrange an independent study. So talked to my principal, talked to the guidance counselors, and, and we actually arranged an independent study for these two motivated students. You know, and at the time, um, you know, they, this was before they released their Everyone Can Code initiative. Um, so there was really no materials coming from Apple, you know, outside of their uh, manuals and stuff to, you know, how to learn Swift. Uh, so we actually turned to iTunes U. Uh, we got a course through Stanford. We gave those students, we actually scheduled them an eighth period study hall. And during that time, uh, that's when they went through the lectures, uh, did the activities from this Stanford course. And basically for accountability every Friday, they had to prepare a lesson for me uh, to kind of demonstrate what they, they learned. Um, and then from there, it, it really started to take off. Um, we got more students interested. Eventually, we actually assembled, from those two students, we, had, we assembled a team of six students to actually develop an app for the school. This app um, basically handles our announcements uh, we, we got published to the App Store, but this really, that's how I got to uh, WWDC uh, 2016, was Apple really kind of took notice the the work that we did uh, developing this app. Took, uh, took a little over a year to, to get it all all accomplished, and kids were coming in during their, their summer break to work on it, um, which I have some summer hours, so I was able to be there and and, you know, kind of be a part of that. So that was kind of a great experience. Isn't it amazing how, you know, you, you're able to offer students something they're interested in, and then they have no problem working for as long as it takes and do as much learning as they need to do in order to meet that goal of uh, becoming app developers and learning how to develop apps and getting it published in the app store. And I, I think your journey is probably similar to a lot of people. Uh, that, you know, they don't have a CS background because a lot of them, I mean, there's just not a lot of those teachers. You know, what do you call a teacher that knows computer science or knows how to code a former teacher? I think there are a lot of people who have had similar journeys. I know I did. And uh, that's that's fantastic. I, what's the name of your, the, your student's app? So it's called CMS Now, and it's actually uh, in the App Store. It's, um, we use it every day in our school. Uh, just uh, input our announcements and um, 
and also to, to curate some resources for, you know, commonly used websites and things like that for our students as well. Um, but, you know, as you said, it was um, you know, really amazing how well um, the kids took to it and how willing they were to put in those hours and put in, you know, basically this was done after school. Um, it was done during the summertime. Um, that's when most of the work took place, but uh, they had a problem to solve. Basically, announcements were being emailed out. Nobody liked it, so and they really wanted to come up with a good solution for it, and they put in the time, and they did it. It sounds like it's the greatest project-based learning opportunity those students have probably or will ever have. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we had to learn. There was a lot of learning. I mean, we really had to figure things out, like, as we went. Getting into Swift, getting into coding, like, you know, it's pretty accessible, I think just getting started, but to actually put an app on the app store, there's a lot of things as, as we learned just in the back that we just never anticipated that we would have to know. Unfortunately, we did not uh, get to meet up this year at WWDC. Did you get a look at any of the sessions or did you check out iOS 11 and the Swift updates? If so, what do you think about them? So I actually have a, a bunch of videos saved here that um, it's kind of on my to-do list to watch. So actually, um, you know, as a side note, um, one of the students, like one of the two students I, that I talked about that did that independent study and, and uh, kind of started that app develop or that group that developed the app, actually got an intern. He graduated last year, finished his freshman year at RIT and actually got an internship with Apple. RIT... Uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. So he actually got to spend a few days at WWDC and he was um, texting me, you know, videos that I need to, to, you know, kind of saying like, here's the ones you need to watch. So I kind of have a list of things on my to-do list. But, um, you know, I, I think the thing that that uh, most excites me is is just their file support. Oh, the files app. Yeah, uh, that they're that they're releasing. So I, I definitely that's something I definitely really want to take a closer look into. Yes, there was just uh, the most recent version of App Stories with uh, Federico Vitici and John Voorhees that came out today, this morning. They talk about the Files app. I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm sure I will over the next couple of days. All right. What is your favorite part of teaching computer science and coding? So I think the, 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 the greatest thing that I enjoy about teaching coding and, and teaching Swift is um, and again, this is going to be kind of my uh, my librarian background kind of showing through here, but I think it's the the importance, uh, and I try to emphasize the importance of uh, independent learning. So I think seeing students take that, you know, kind of seeing that spark, and then seeing them take that initiative to actually then go down the rabbit hole and actually find resources for themselves, um, solve problems on their own, you know, go to places like Stack Overflow when they reach a problem and then, you know, overcome those hurdles and overcome those challenges. Uh, to me, that's that's the most uh, re rewarding thing because, you know, that's them really taking responsibility um, for their own learning. Another thing I, I try to always emphasize, too, in, in my lessons is um, creativity. Uh, so I think with, with teaching Coding and I, I'll sometimes fall in this rut where you know you strictly follow the curriculum and and the sequential. But then you know giving them opportunities and you, I, I try to do this every once in a while, but just have like a basic coding focused genius hour um, with my students so that they can kind of you know do some creative things with code. And also you know they don't during this time they don't necessarily have to stick with 
with Swift, um, you know, some of them actually go out and, you know, explore some different things with some other languages, or they, they might do some stuff even in like Scratch um, and working with the Makey Makeys and other stuff too. But I think that's important as well. Isn't it amazing how when students are able to be creative, they really will spend all that extra time and really get into the project de- deeply. I know that my students, I have a couple that if, if I include any kind of graphic stuff or audio or music, they will spend hour upon hour just really fine-tuning those things just because they get to scratch that side of the, their interests. You know, and, and a great thing about coding is that it touches every discipline. Uh, you know, it, it touches so many things uh, from art to music to, um, you know, you can incorporate in history. You could, you know, you could incorporate science with it, um, sports, you know, there, there's so many things. So, uh, you know, I, you know, again, just to have that time um, for them to pursue their own interests with it, I think is very valuable. And I think you even see that professionally with coders that are app developers and programmers is that they will work on projects that they find interesting and that personally interest them. I know the, the um, podcast player that I use is Overcast, and it is created by Marco Arment, who also loves music. He's an audiophile, so that makes perfect sense because he wrote a custom audio engine for that app, and that he wouldn't okay. have done it if he wasn't interested in audio. So, yeah, I think that... that when that really creative part really sparks their interest and that's something they could pursue throughout their careers. Yeah. And it's kind of like the coding is secondary. It's kind of like the, the coding is the vehicle, um, you know, to reach this goal or to solve this problem, um, or to create music or, you know, something like that. Did you go to the Apple design awards on Monday evening? I did actually. So, do you remember the um, yeah? So do you remember that visually impaired gentleman who actually used created an app so that he could DJ? That was just that was fascinating, and it won a design award because of its accessibility features. I will look it up and see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. I can't remember it. So there there is an app that won. It's called Oxy, and it's like a mobile uh, stu- studio. The name of the app is Oxy, and I will put a link in the show notes. Chris, are you teaching Swift on iOS, on Mac, or on both? So I, I have one class, and um, basically with that class, we mainly use Mac. So we, we're, we're mainly using the um, Intro to Active Development curriculum, or this past year, that's what we used. Um, however, I am supplementing, um, you know, especially since we're one-to-one iPad. So I, I am supplementing uh, with the Swift Playgrounds app and with the uh, Learn to Code 1, 2, and 3 curriculum. So my, my one criticism about the, um, the uh, uh, app development with Swift curriculum is that it, you know, and I hate to say this, is that it doesn't um, provide too much in the way of drill or practice. You know, and keep in mind this is after we, we just mentioned about the importance of having, you know, open-ended and, and creative projects um, in coding. But, you know, I think a, a part of also learning how to code is, is actually just doing it and, and doing a certain amount of drill and practice, which I found was kind of missing uh, from there. Uh, so how I kind of worked at this past year was I kind of supplemented 
with the Swift Playgrounds app and the Learn to Code 1, 2, and 3 curriculum. Uh, so I, I've kind of picked, kind of in the Swift Playgrounds app, the, the Learn to Code 1, 2, and 3, I've kind of picked stages that will correspond to different lessons um, in the app development with Swift curriculum. Um, and, you know, with that, I've, I've kind of given that as homework um, just to give them a little bit of extra practice with it, a little bit of just extra drill with it, if that makes sense. So I'm kind of using both, both, but mainly focusing on the on on Mac and the um, app development with Swift portion. Well, that's an interesting idea because as I was thinking about it, now that we have the new app development with Swift curriculum, uh, my seniors are going to do that, and my students come to me for 11th and 12th grade only, and many most of them have not coded before. And I was thinking about doing um, the Swift Playgrounds app, learn to code one, two, and part of three the first semester, and then doing the intro to app development with Swift in the second semester. But yeah, that's not a bad idea to like uh, use them both concurrently and use the Swift Playgrounds app to reinforce some of the lessons that you learn or, you know, you could you know start in the Swift Playgrounds app and then jump to intro into app development with Swift when to reinforce something that they're learning in the playgrounds. That's not a bad idea at all. I might have to do it. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's how Apple intended it to be used at all. Um, but it did work out. Um, you know, one thing I will say, you know, right now I'm, I'm doing one class with it. Um, we are actually looking to change that and actually add more levels and kind of make it tiered. Um, and that's actually my, my colleague, uh, Hans Lehman, who um, right now he's teaching a Java course. Um, but I think I'm winning him over to Swift. Um, and he's actually going to be out in uh, Cupertino with us in, in, in a couple weeks here. So I think, I think once we can open up more classes with it, we'll probably move into more of a, um, a model like you just described. Um, but, you know, offering one year of it, um, that's kind of how I had to, to do it is kind of incorporate both of them, but hopefully we can, we can make it multi-tiered kind of do like the, uh, the, do an intro course, like intro to Swift and computational thinking, and then kind of move into the app development curriculum. So that's our plan at least, hopefully. Yeah, that, that's a good plan. Boy, I really, I'm going to have to take a look at where those, uh, where I can mesh the app development with intro into app development with Swift and the Swift Playgrounds app into one seamless curriculum for the entire year rather than treat them as two separate ones, do one one semester and do the other the other semester. Because I think there's probably some good overlap there. Oh, well, that'll give me something to do on the six hours of flight out to California next week. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, I mean, the, there is some overlap and then there's some areas where it doesn't work out so well. So, you, you know, you, you kind of have to pick and choose or, you know, or at least get started with the Swift playgrounds, learn to code one, two, and three, like get started with the first levels and then move into app development. I'll take a look at that. I know that, um, what my students this past year really liked was, uh, as far as creativity was the, um, what was that? The uh, question bot 
Yeah. So that I'm going to actually make that an independent um, project of its own where the students will go to pick another class, whether it's their English class or government or math, and they're going to have to create a bot for that specific class. I'm going to work with our academic teachers uh, so they can create these supplemental things, and then we'll go ahead and put them in our in self-service and because we have an enterprise app developer account, so we'll go ahead and distribute them to other students that way. And whether they want to make it for like a review tool for a test or something, I'll leave that up to them, but that's that'll be one of our bigger projects next year, so it'll all culminate with that next spring. You know, and that, that, that's a great suggestion because, um, you know, we have a kind of an enterprise account too and, and self-service. So, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, and I, I think you, you make a good point, like you don't have to have a, a fully in-depth and, uh, you know, just like a, an app that takes you, you know, over a year to develop like, like we did. Um, it could be something that could be done you know, within a semester or within, within a course. Um, and I, I love the idea of, of incorporating, you know, multidiscipline with it. Um, I actually did a project with, um, and I'm looking to kind of expand these opportunities, but I actually did a project with our AP gov teacher, um, where they kind of, um, I, I, I kind of, I gave them a shell of code, um, for a, um, electoral college calculator. And we actually did that before the, the, uh, the election. Um, so they were able to kind of distribute states between uh, the two candidates and then it would calculate um, who would win. Oh, neat. So, but opportunities like that, you know, I'm, I'm you know, constantly on the lookout for. Oh, that's a great idea. So uh, not that we'll have an election for a few years, but we'll have to put that in the, I'll have to put that in the back of my mind, make a little note of that for 2020. So I know you have not taught any other um, languages before. How do you see that having that background either being beneficial to what you're doing now or how are you able to integrate that into what you're doing now? Okay, being a librarian? Yes. Okay. And- so I, I, think, I think the biggest thing uh, w- with that aspect is I, I think to be a successful programmer, uh, you have to know how to solve your own problems and you have to know how to be an independent learner and you have to know how to do your research. Um, so what I find is like, I find like a good portion of my, um, of my, uh, Swift class is, um, kind of teaching them the different places that they can go, um, to find the answers to the you know, their problems on their own, like, um, you know, how to use Stack Overflow, um, how to use the documentation in Xcode, because they actually have really great documentation there. Um, but, you know, high school students really don't want to, they take one look at that and they want to shy away from it. But <laughs> so do a lot of have adults. To use it and you have to, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and it, it looks intimidating at first, but um, it's actually you know, I, I actually loved it. And once I started getting into it, there's a lot that, that I learned from it. Um, so it's, it's a great resource and it's a great way to, you know, rather than calling for help, um, because oftentimes that, that person isn't there and, you know, and kind of think about me not having a background in it. Um, sometimes I'll have a question that I don't know the, the answer to. So then it's like, okay, we, 
we have to sit down and let's let's look it up. We're like where where can we turn to to find the answer for this? Um, and sometimes that's frustrating because you know sometimes it, it takes a while to to get the answer, but boy, it's it's the most rewarding thing when we could we can actually sit down and research and find the answer on our own. It is. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. What has been most surprising to you in teaching Swift? Uh, so I think the, the, the most surprising thing is um, kind of how accessible it is and how quickly I was able to become comfortable with it. Um, you know, back before they released Swift and, you know, we knew that we really weren't, didn't have any good, we weren't offering coding classes and we were wondering like, what can we do? You know, we're calling ourselves a STEM school and we don't have coding here. Um, you know, we, we did look at, um, you know, iOS development before Swift and, um, we just heard horror stories about it. Um, just using objective C and, and how, um, unuser friendly that language was, and it wasn't a good, um, first language. Yeah. The learning curve is, the learning curve is kind of steep with Objective C. Yeah, and at the time, you know, it it was it was very um, Apple kind of had things locked down with exactly who can be a developer and everything else, and there was actually a lot of legal red tape. Um, so I guess at the at the time, the prospect of actually learning how to code and just taking those first steps. Um, I felt like I was climbing, felt like I'd have to climb a mountain to do so. But then uh, once I got started with Swift, um, I found that it, it kind of, I caught on, you know, it, it caught on quite naturally. Um, still have a whole lot to learn. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like once you start learning it, it's, it's kind of like you go down that rabbit hole. Like it, it's, there's always something you can keep learning, but um, just getting started with it, I was surprised with, um, you know, how quickly I caught on and, and especially with resources like the, like the Swift playgrounds, like when I started that, it's like time just passes by. Like I just, you know, I was just going through those levels, um, and going through those stages and going through the curriculum. And then next thing I know, I've, I spent three hours on it and it felt like 10 minutes. The expressiveness and the approachability of the language is one of their strong points. And I, you know, I would imagine that one of the reasons why this new language Swift was developed was to allow Apple to provide a teaching language. I, you know, I don't know that for sure, but that's one of my guesses besides that they wanted to update and provide a modern language to their large developer community that you know, if they want to keep that developer community thriving, there should be, they should get into the whole teaching game because before that it was like Java and Python and, you know, some other languages. Those were, those were the teaching languages. And now Apple's given us a, a really good, yeah, or, right. Or blog and Apple's given us a really, really good teaching language now. So you were surprised at how uh, approachable and, easy to learn the language Swift is. How have your students responded to learning Swift? So they, they responded very well. And, and keep in mind with that other uh, Java class. So, you know, I'll get students that have, that have taken the Java class previously and then 
and Swift. So it's kind of interesting to, to have uh, that conversation with those students. Um, overall, um, as far as difficulty level is concerned, like when I have a kid that Tate does Swift and that does Java, um, they say the, the difficulty is um, comparable. Um, so, um, you know, they're, they're kind of on the same playing field with that. Um, the feedback, the, the positive feedback I do get from, uh, those, those students is, um, uh, you know, things dealing with, with Xcode, um, like the, um, especially, uh, you know, their new update, uh, updates that they, um, put in place last year, um, just updating their debugging, making that more responsive and specific, <laughs> I'll say. Um, so that's, a, that's, I think a big area where I get a lot of positive feedback from my uh, students who've had prior experience with coding is they do the debugging now um, in Xcode, uh, which which really helps. Um, you know, I, I think a common complaint, and again, it goes down to Xcode 2 is, um, especially working in the user interface, um, it can get a little bit buggy. Um, so that's always you know, kind of a complaint. And especially if you're running an older computer, it will crash on you, at, you know, at times that's kind of a guarantee, but, but overall the, like it, it's, it's been a great experience. They also too, kind of a, as a side note to this, um, of course in Java, uh, Java, uh, does not have type security, um, like Swift has. Um, so for instance, when you, uh, create a string, or if you create an integer in Swift, you can't just convert it into a um, a string. Um, uh, whereas I guess they don't have that type security in in Java. And um, one feedback I did get from my students was um, they actually liked the type security um, and kind of having those stricter rules um, because they they found that it it kind of um, kept them a little bit more grounded. And kept them a little bit more organized, if that makes sense. Yeah, yes. Fraser Spears and I talked about that in episode eight. And the the type safety really does a great job from preventing you from accidentally getting something correct or um, making a mistake. Or you can see your mistakes right away because that the Swift compiler is going to check right away. And I... That is, although the type safety is one thing that makes the language a little more strict that some Objective-C developers don't like about Swift. But I do. As a teaching language, it it, re- it really makes it great. I love it. Love the type safety. Yeah, because, you know, that really gets into the whole discussion on types and how important types are and, um, you know, differentiating uh, be- between them. So I, I, I kind of like that feature. Um, or to Java, so I, I don't know how I would kind of handle or approach um, a language that didn't have that. Uh, I said type security, but it's actually type, type safety. But you know, I couldn't imagine having a language that didn't have that in place. That I think that'd be a little difficult. Yeah. So you like that? Uh, just as an aside, you have your students explicitly type things, or do you just let the Swift compiler? Uh, implicitly pick it up. What do you have your students do? Um, as far as uh, debugging? No, when they're writing code, 
and they're declaring something, will you have them explicitly type it as a string or an int or, or do you, or do you just let the, the... Oh yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll use, um, we, we do use type inference. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, I, I do spend a, a good amount of time, uh, you know, teaching the different types. Um, it's probably a better habit to, you know, at least at first have them, you know, declare the types. Um, but yeah, when I teach it, we, we do, you know, I have the compiler do that work and, and do use the type inference. I, it depends on my students. Like some students are really strong and remember that. And those students that are organized, I will have them go ahead and just allow the type inference. And, but those students who need that extra reminder or just need the extra practice typing, I will have them explicitly um, declare the type. Which is, that's actually a great suggestion, especially, uh, you know, to differentiate, um, you know, especially when I have more experienced um, coders and, and less experienced ones. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually a great suggestion I might, uh, I might take away with me. All right. Well, we're all learning today. <laughs> so you and your students created and published an app and you told us it was um, CMS Now? Yes. And tell me about the, the, and it's, tell me about the process you and your students use to create the app. All right. So, so keep in mind when, when we did this process, um, we were all novices at this. So we, we were all just getting started, um, not knowing what we're doing. So, um, there's, there's a lot of trial and error involved. Um, but you know, a lot of learning at the same time. So basically there are six students and myself, um, we split ourselves up into two teams. Um, so we had a design team and then a programming team, though um, there was a lot of overlap. So, you know, team members, we went back and forth. We all kind of contributed to the design process and everyone tried to, to contribute to the programming process, but you know, there were varying degrees of abilities and, and readiness with that. Uh, so the first thing I, you know, kind of just thinking of the, the design process, design thinking to kind of guide us. So the first thing is, we, you know, we had to pick our problem. Um, you know, we know we knew we wanted to develop an app for the school. So what what problem was that facing the school? And um, you know, for that, it was communication, um, specifically our announcements. Uh, the announcements were being emailed in these emails that would contain, you know, anywhere from four to ten different attachments. Uh, so, of course, no high school student, let alone adult, is going to sit there and read through all that. So um, nobody knew what was going on because everyone's missing their announcements because no one's checking their emails. So we knew we wanted to to streamline that. We knew we wanted to fix that problem. Uh, from there, we, we started um, kind of uh, prototyping some designs. And, um, you know, I have a kind of a big, sizable whiteboard and... Um, you know, we, we took days just um, sketching out uh, what this app would look like, what the navigation would, would, would look like uh, just on the whiteboard. Um, once we kind of settled on, on that design, uh, we, you know, so much time was, was spent on design too. Um, a lot of effort and time went into that. Um, we then actually used the Keynote app to actually create a prototype um, you know, using the interactive links, 
um, and animation so we can actually see you know what navigation would look like um, on the app and we actually went through a, a couple of a uh, couple of iterations with that so we we come up with one design we sketch it out in keynote and then we'd go back and then we'd uh, do another one until we we finally got to um, the the design that we came up with that that we currently have for it, um, which is kind of more like a table view. Um, so after you know after we had the design, what we wanted it to look like, how we wanted things to navigate, um, you know, we started the fun part. We we started coding it, um, and we started coding in Xcode and and using Swift. Uh, while that was going on, uh, we kind of had a we kind of had a student leading uh, the Swift portion of it. And then we had the, uh, another student who's actually done a lot previously with, um, web development. Um, so he was very versed in JavaScript and HTML. Uh, we actually created an, an HTML portal, um, that we currently use to actually, um, uh, input the announcements. And basically how it works is, and we, we had to run all this through cl uh, CloudKit. So basically how it works is, um, you know, and CloudKit provides um, the, the JavaScript code to kind of interact with your app. Um, so basically what we did is we, we created an online form um, that um, me, uh, my principal, and another teacher um, we have access to to input announcements. Um, once we input the announcements, it gets sent to CloudKit, and CloudKit then sends it out to the app. Um, so that, that's a nutshell how the the app works. But all that had to be developed. So the the web portal had to be developed, the HTML file, um, as well as the the Swift programming in the app. Then after that was. Um, actually uh, going through the process and um, getting the app published onto the app store that took us some um, uh, took a little red tape with our district you, you know just some legal stuff because um, I didn't have the the highest levels of access in our um, district developer account so basically every time Apple released um, any updates to its terms and conditions I'd have to get our you know site administrator to approve all that. Um, and for some reason that took a lot of time. Once we're able to do that, we're, we're able to, you know, go through and, and follow the process to submit it to Apple, which they actually, our, our app design, they, they were that they had to go back and it was, um, it was something with our description, um, that they didn't like. Um, and I think it was like the appropriateness levels and I'm kind of jogging my memory here, but our, our app uses a Safari plugin. Oh, so it had to be rated 17 plus. Yes. So we, because of that Safari plugin, we, we kind of had the, to, <laughs> to change the rating of our app. Um, I had to go in and check. I, I don't think we had to make it 17 and plus, but the, the one under that, I think we had to make it. Oh, okay. Okay. So did you use a Safari view controller or? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Which is a big improvement over what the way we used to have to do it. Oh yeah. 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 Big time. So, you know, once we finally, you know, once it got accepted by Apple and it got put on the App Store, um, then it was, you know, it was a matter of like, really, we, we had to publicize. You know, this was a great achievement. We, we spent over a year doing it. 
Um, so we actually got the press in. We, we had an, uh, an article in the paper published about us, um, you know, kind of spread the word um, district-wide, just kind of celebrating that, that achievement, um, you know, that we did. Um, and then, you know, I think came the really hard part, which was, um, you know, just getting it adopted in the school, which, you know, you, you do a one-to-one deployment there. So, you know, um, kind of getting everyone on the same page with everything can be a little bit of a challenge. Um, so we, we, we kind of had to find ways to, um, incorporate during the school day, um, just a set time that, okay, this is the time you, you check the app and get the announcements just to make sure that the app was um, being used. Um, so what we, what we had to do, uh, in the morning, we actually had to have an announcement over the intercom. Um, you know, we're, we say, you know, stand for the pledge. And after that, um, basically, here's what's new in, in the app, but without going into details, you know, for instance, um, there's a new announcements concerning graduation. Um, so please take a minute and check your app. So, you know, it's kind of getting all the teachers on board to get in, in you know, kind of changing habits and getting them each morning to, okay, open up the app and check it and doing that. So after that, um, you know, we're, we're now in the phase, you know, we've been using the, the app for a year. You know, we have some bugs with it. Um, we have some enhancements that, that need to be made. So that's kind of our next phases with it. Uh, the thing that I'll say that's, that's a little bit challenging. So most of the kids that worked on the app have now graduated. When students, I find when students develop an app or they, they want to, you know, work on a problem, they want it to be their problem. So I think the problem that we're running into now is um, uh, the students aren't seeing that the, the app is theirs. They want to work on something else and so that they can kind of make it their own. Uh, so kind of my challenge uh, moving forward uh, this year is going to be, um, you know, how do I make that app theirs, even though they didn't initially work on it. So maybe, you know, plan some enhancements that's going to be your enhancement that, that you can put into the app into the app. Wow. That was that's a great description and I like how you guys used Keynote to help prototype it. That's what uh Douglas Keong he uses Keynote a lot for that that kind of process with his students. And it's amazing. I know I can say this because I know nobody else in my district listens to this podcast, especially Ardina students, but Ardina students said to me last year he said uh hey, can you check and or can you make all the kids open their email and read the announcements. I said, no, we can't even make the adults read their email. How, how are we going to make the, the kids do it? I said, but the announcements are in our school app. He said, oh, can you make sure they open? No. So it's funny how <laughs> that whole school announcement thing is kind of like a universal problem everywhere. So <laughs> did you guys, just as an aside, and this is, you know, one iPad system into another, did you force install the app on every student's device so yeah we we pushed it out so it um installed on you know using jamf um which i know you you use um we did do that so that's one of the apps we do um we do uh force push out that's what i would do that's what i do yeah and you know really aside from that as i always said a lot of times you know technology is the easy part um really the difficult part as uh you know my job as a tech integrator and tech coach, as as a lot of people in my position will tell you, it's it's not so much the technology; it's it's uh, changing habits. 
Um, so really, you know, I, it was a matter of getting my administration on board, which wasn't a problem. And then from there, getting the teachers on board, getting the teachers to buy in. Um, and, 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 you know, credit to my faculty, they did because they, they recognized this as a problem. I mean, there's important information that the kids weren't getting. Also, as a side note, too, uh, what we did as well, we actually, um, CloudKit also provides you with a, um, I forget if it's a JavaScript or an HTML token um, that you can embed on a web page. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. No, I haven't done anything with CloudKit. Is, is it like a badge? Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, it's, it's an embed code is basically what it is. Um, so through CloudKit, you can actually get an, an embed code. Um, and what we did is we actually, so we, we created a page um, off of our school website. Um, so for parents who want to get the announcements but don't have an iOS device, um, can actually check that page and get the announcement feed through that as well. So it's kind of a nice, uh, nice, really nice feature of CloudKit um, that we found. Oh, that's great. That's cool. Yeah, I did not know that. If there is a teacher or administrator out there listening to us and they think, wow, Chris is doing great things in his district, I want to start that in mine. What suggestions do you would you have for them to just getting starting with teaching coding or computer programming with Swift? So number one is, um, you know, and this is coming from, you know, you know from a librarian background with, with no computer science. Um, it can be done, you know, without having an ex- expert in computer science. So as long as you have a teacher in there that's that's willing to kind of be brave and, and dive into the unknown, um, it can be done. And and the great thing about um, you know the uh, the everyone can code curriculum is Apple really makes it easy for us, um, and especially easy to get started with it. Um, I mean, giving us all those lesson plans, um, all those resources, I mean, down to individual keynotes that we can use and, and present to our kids. I mean, it really takes a lot of the stress out of it. Um, you know, there's a lot to learn still, um, and a lot of time that, you know, that teacher who wants to teach us is going to have to devote, but just knowing that you have that safety net is, is just huge. Um, so that would be my first piece of advice. It, it, just go for it. Just dive in, um, you know, and find that that brave teacher. You know, even if they don't have a strong background in computer science, um, you want a teacher that's kind of that's that's brave that that's going to dive into it. Um, and after that, my my second piece of advice would be um, just to focus. You know. Um, don't think you have to teach a lot of different types of comp- of programming languages. Um, you know, I would I would go with one, and of course I'm going to push Swift, being an Apple distinguished educator and, and my experience with it. But you know, even if even if you don't teach, if if you don't pick Swift, you know, go deep into one language, um, because you know the the problem that we're trying to solve now is you know we have the class I teach which is Swift and we have the class that my colleague teaches which is Java there's a lot of overlap because the languages are really similar i mean there's some differences in syntax and you know a couple differences on how some things are done 
but overall the, the principles are the same. So we've had students that have taken my course that have then taken the Java course that have been bored and, and vice versa because they're getting a lot of the same thing twice. So I'm really focused and take that deep dive. That is great advice, Chris. Thanks. Uh, and yes, I did not mention in the beginning, I sorry I didn't, Chris, congratulations, brand new class of uh, Apple Distinguished Educators, class of 2017. Congratulations. Thank you. It was great to see you again in Houston last week for our academy. A lot of good coding and uh, Swift stuff going on. So now everybody knows you are somebody who should be followed and and should check out your work because you're an Apple Distinguished Educator. Where can people find you and your work online? So probably the best place um, where I'm going to be more the most active uh, sharing is going to be through my uh, Twitter handle, at Barnaby. Um, but I, it's also going to be a goal of mine, too, to... Um, share and i i you know kind of got in trouble with you at uh the uh, apple Distinguished academy here but i i am going to try to make it more share more on the um on the uh, slack channel the swift teacher slack channel as well awesome and thanks for bringing that up so if you're listening out there we we have our uh, vibrant and growing community on the swift teacher slack channel if you'd like to join us you can now just go to swiftteacher.me enter that in your browser and then it'll automatically take you to our swift teacher slack channel where you can sign up and join us in the channel um a lot of good sharing going on there so and it if you like if you are enjoying this podcast you find it useful i would really appreciate if you could leave a review we're all all the way up to three reviews now so we're doing well that's better than one and greater than two so we're up to three. Thank you for, to those of you who left a review. If you'd like to find the show notes, they will be in your, your podcast listening app of choice. And then they'll also be over at swiftteacher.org slash podcast. Well, Chris, I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for all you do. And we'll see you next time. Time to get Swifty. Swifty.